On twos. This is a podcast where we break down animated movies. I'm Lucas Asita, and sitting across from me, Nathan Talon. This is the first episode of season three here on On Twos, and you know, to start it off, we figured we'd uh, we'd come in hot. It's fall, and we picked Fantastic Mr. Fox to open up the season. Uh, yeah, like um, as soon as that was on the list, I was extremely excited because it's one of my not only favorite animated movies, but favorite movies ever so um you know it's just cooking on a different plane of existence so i think it's a good start to this whole thing i completely agree you know and this is kind of a because it's a favorite of nate and our or mine um we actually would just watch it, so we like watched it and then pressed record so it's not every time that we watch the movie together and then you know immediately talk about it afterwards but this is kind of one that you know it it sounds like a cute little date. Are you getting me <laughs> coffee and some fantastic Mr. The leaves Fox. are changing. It's yeah. a perfect time of year to watch it. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. I have to get it in every fall, I think, is my new tradition. Is It's like each fall I get in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Well, I mean, with Wes Anderson, I feel like color palette is always such a big deal. And, yeah, this is the fall movie for sure. Um, some may say Thanksgiving movie. I think that's the la- last time I watched that was when I got home from Thanksgiving just because of the dinner scene where it's like, oh, that's kind of like Thanksgiving dinner. No, a thousand percent. And the fall leaves and everything. Um, but yeah, like I think, that you know, this is his first kind of um, full-length stop-motion thing. Did Life Aquatic come out before this? Yeah. Because there's Life some stop-motion. Like 2004. There's some stop-motion in there so you can see that he's dipping his toes in. Um, and then, yeah, he just, I feel like, even when I was a kid, because I saw this when I was younger, before I even really knew about Wes Anderson or anything like auteur theory or anything like that. But it's like there was something even as a kid where it like stuck, like stood out to me where it's like the first time I watched, I loved it. And I remember watching it with my mom and my mom was like, oh, that's cute. It's interesting. Like even she was like, oh, it was interesting. That what I expected. Um, but yeah, it's funny that it's just been even before I was really into movies, it's like fantastic mr fox was always there and i'm sure that's nostalgia plays into the point of it being one of my favorites but even just rewatching it man is like there's just so many good things it's just firing on all cylinders the entire movie even like from an animation front from a production design perspective character perspective um directorial perspective it's like i feel like that can just describe a lot of wes anderson movies but specifically fantastic mr fox yeah, I think this thing's built absolutely different. You know, I think there's a strong argument that this could be at the table for uh, top five best animated movie, like, of my lifetime. And, you know, I've been around since 97. So um, that's got, you know, I'd almost like to dive into that list a little bit. But, um, yeah, when Wes Anderson, shit, man. It's like, especially since I've been in college, it's funny. You know, I feel like sometime in high school when you start to really notice directors and that sort of thing you know everybody finds Wes Anderson at some point and all paths lead to Wes Anderson literally yeah it does and as it should Uh you know um but man to me this is like top two of his movies you know and that's a director that anytime he makes something you know it's going to be good so I think that only I couldn't speak higher yeah, that's the you know Wes Anderson's always an interesting point of conversation with a lot of people because he is a very unique 
uh, directors. So it's like once you have those, it's going to appeal to some people and not to others. But for whatever reason, um, like I said, even when I was a kid, it just worked for me. And as I watched more and more of his movies, it's like, yeah, man, I'm just in love with his style, how he does things. Um, I can understand if people aren't. But I would think that even though he has kind of very, I don't even want to say stilted dialogue, just matter-of-fact dialogue, there's moments in every single one of those movies where it's like your chest warms a little bit because 100%. it's like emotional in some capacity or it's, he gets to the truth of something. And the fact that it is so matter-of-fact makes you realize how it's like, how complex yet simple like a lot of these things that happen in every uh, person's life like a lot of just the small conversations between Mr. Fox and his kid and him and his wife it's like very emotional just randomly happens like I love the whole crystal scene where it's like go talk to me over here next to this mineral deposit (laughs) and they just walk over and it's a beautiful background you're like what's going on and it's like I think you know with his most recent effort to Asteroid City it's like we're just seeing him refine which is why I would love if he does another stop motion movie at some point in the future. We um, have to get another one, right? I'd hope so, man. Cause it's like, I feel like there's a resurgence now, especially with GDT um, doing more stop motion stuff. So it's like, I feel like there's, you know, there's always just something. And I feel like he's such a particular director as well. And it's like, that's the medium for it is stop motion animation. You can literally be every frame. It's, it's not just every shot or whatever it's like literally in stop motion it's every single frame you can be particular about stuff and that's why it's like i did have high expectations going into isle of dogs and i think maybe that's why my initial viewing i was a little less like i was like oh okay but then when i rewatched i was like this is still good Mm -hmm. it's just not fantastic mr fox because not many things are i completely agree you know i don't want to say i was underwhelmed but fantastic mr fox is frankly so good Mm -hmm. that it's like i can't really compare it for me, looking at Pixar stuff, it's like, hey, I'm not going to look at everything like it's Incredibles because that movie is absolute five-star clang. Pixar stuff, maybe that's a bad example because it's like there's so many good ones. I mean, that yeah, you compare anything to that early run is, you know, that's but kind of undefeated. I think of Fantastic Mr. Fox so highly that I can't possibly judge other stuff based oh, on yeah. that. Like, yeah. But, you know, it's funny, my relationship to the movie is a little different in the sense that I caught it way late. Like, I was maybe, I, I might have been a junior in high school, like summer of between sophomore, junior year, maybe. Sure. Um, I just remember because I was, I had just started dating, like, my high school girlfriend, right? And they were watching it, and I caught, like, the last half of it at the Warner's house, and I was like... I literally, it's one of those things where you sit down and you say, what is this? And it's, think about how the third act of this movie yeah. is. It's, t- it's a fucking heist, man. And you're like, what? Um, yeah, I just remember, like, it was one of those things where I said, oh, what is this? Go home, immediately watch the full thing. It's uh-huh. like, whoa. Now that I think about it, that might have been my first Wes Anderson movie. No, I, I feel like this it. is a lot of people's first because it's a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when you're younger, you're typically stumble upon this in some regards so um i feel like that's the common thread for a lot of people is fantastic mr fox is the first which is talk about going into the deep well end. dude honestly you want to know he's forever goaded in my head because it's like you're introduced to fantastic mr fox and it's like oh what's his new movie oh grand budapest hotel and i watch that and i say oh so this guy just cooks goaded <laughs> This guy cooks. That's man. like watching In the Mood for Love and Chunking Express. Yeah. You're like, oh, this guy's just got two fucking five star clangers. Yeah. What the heck? No, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, how can you not look at 
this movie and just be awed by it personally. Like it's like dialogue wise or whatever. Watch it on mute and be like, oh my God, this is the best thing. And if it was like a radio show and you just listened to it, it would be also just as fucking good. And then we get the magic of seeing them both and it's like, oh, so this is a 20 out of 10. This is fantastic. Fantastic. Uh Mr. Fox. And it's like, I just think that he has such a, he, it's so dialed in where it's like, I know that he really likes Roald Dahl and like his books and stuff like that. So it's like just a perfect opportunity for him to, um, and he's done more recently with Henry Sugar and stuff like that. But you could tell that he admires the work and he connects with it. And uh, I would love to see more adaptations of his stuff. I know we joked around uh, about it, but it's like, I do think that he would kill a Willy Wonka adaptation. Like Easy. if it's stop motion too, that well, you know, that's, that's all the contraptions. Good... Would you rather see it animated or live action if he was going to do Willy Wonka animated? Because we've had two live action. So yeah, it's like you that's, how you that's, a, that's, great... that's how you differentiate it. That's how you differentiate it. Could you could you imagine his third animated movie stop motion Willy Wonka? Oh, <laughs> I'm salivating. But see, it's going to be delayed because it's like I still have hopes for it. I don't think it will be the best movie ever, but we have Wonka coming out. And I think that's them cashing that, in as a license. Dude, yeah, know? so it's like so I think it will like, still be fun, but it's I'm like that's forward to that. But I mean, that's hey, them cashing in on the license. It's Wes Anderson. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. A, that's so it'll probably piece. be another five, ten years before we get another Willy Wonka thing. Honestly, I'd love for this to, if he was going to do that, that's like he's old in his career. And it's like who do you what? cast as Wonka? I don't know. I don't know. I think literally if we get it, it'd be down the road. Sure. It's like some of the big names yeah. that we love might be, you know, old as shit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who, like in terms of younger people, I'd be curious. To, he just says, uh, Timothy, we're going to run it back. We're going to run it back. What's like, he just has such a deep. Uh, honestly, it's like, I don't know what the vibe of like what type of Willy Wonka he would do, you know, because that's the funny thing with Gene Wilder is walking out of there. We saw that at the drive-in uh, a couple months ago, and you're like... He'd be more faithful to the book. Well, I was going to say, it's like, you're like, oh, he definitely killed he those killed kids. He killed those kids, dude. And I think that makes the movie ten times better. I feel like Wes Anderson would go that route. Oh, it'd be dark for yeah, sure. Yeah, it'd be like, like you don't know what. that's, Or it's like these kids are forever traumatized by what happened. But yeah, it's like I think that that of course the cast would be stacked. I mean, and the cool thing with animation as well is, you know, he may cast kids as the kids, but it's like he wouldn't need to. He could cast like all of his like get Jason Schwartzman back as Charlie or something like that and have him play. It's like now I'm just salivating at this, <laughs> and it would. The thing is, is that this movie did not do well at the box office. So yeah. It's like it's always one of those things where he has a question mark next to his name, but it's like. The budget was forty million for this one, and it made forty six million at the box office. Um, but I mean, guys, I don't know what more you could want. That's here, all I'm here, saying. Yeah, and it's like here's what I'll say too: is he's been producing crazy high quality movies at like a fraction of the budgets that a lot of directors are. It's like he's due for another big budget one. He he knows that it's not. He gets one every couple, so it's like just give him his one. Make it Willy Wonka, stop motion animated, and if it flops, it flops. But then he just goes back to the ten million, fifteen million ones that he's been doing. Because um, no matter what, it's like this guy is efficient. He is creative. He's a true artist, and I think it's just you know, stop motion is just so magic in his hands. Because like I said, he's so particular, and you see that in every frame of this movie. 
where it's like there's so much detail and even just the interiors of all these people's homes oh. where it's like the amount of painstaking work that he's probably had these art decoration people do where it's like making the little paintings and the little clothes for everyone and it's like come on man that's why it's like i'm excited when we watch kubo and stuff like that because i think the only people that are on the same level would be like like, like you know, a, yeah. although the pinocchio guillermo del toro's pinocchio is great too yeah that criterion on the way sure Thank you sure i mean um yeah it's just he's he's got such a magical style to him that uh this this movie never fails to put a smile on my face and uh, take me away to like to me it's just such indicative of fall that it's like that's why i have to watch it every time because it's like the perfect encapsulation of that feeling um and like i said i think that he just gets cuts through like his style to give like some very poignant emotional moments as well which is why um it just works as a whole for me where it is you know kind of a more you know when you think about the whole movie it's pretty small scale like it's like it's two heists really yep um and them running away from the consequences of the heist and it's like that's pretty much the whole movie um but it's filled with such iconic scenes. like it's like the um like the sport that they play with oh, the sword and each of the high sequences is so good. You got the waterfall set piece. Like, yeah, every time they go to one of the different things too, it's so distinct and has a different flavor to it. And it's just, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, obviously I think that's something that's on this. Well, I just think about like, so what a clever way to do it. I must go like the real estate route of them want, not wanting to live underground. You know, they want to live in this big tree. So then it's like he's what, talking to his lawyer about yeah. if he should do it or not, and it's like that's kind of fun. But then you just see all these locations, and you see the inside, and you see you know what their house you know turns into, and the, how magnificent it is inside. And it's like even just that, you're totally right. It's like man, there's so much effort and so much life, and even each of these little rooms, 100%. and it's like ultra ultra clever because it's like, oh, what's a house inside of a tree look like? And it's like constructions going down on the tree. It's a bunch of squirrels working on it. It's like that's so good. That's so. It's good. brilliant. That's brilliant. And then yeah, you see like, um, you know, he does his classic wides, but it's like the multi room wides all the mm-hmm. time, and they always work. Um, but yeah, like that, like, and even just all of her, and we were talking about it when we were watching it, but it's like all of Mrs. Fox's like paintings and especially the one at the end, it's like someone had to go in and paint that stuff. And it's like thinking about the small ones where it's like, even when the, one of the farmers like finds one, it's like so tiny. It's like, that's probably close to like the actual size of these things that they had to, um, paint for this movie. And it's like, I just, I'm always in awe, any stop motion movie where it's like, someone's going through and stitching the clothing for these puppets. And it's like, there's not as small scale as you would think. They're pretty, they're kind of like action figures more sure. often than not, but it's like still going in and like. I mean, I'd imagine there are multiple sizes as well too. So. Well, especially like that opening shot of them at the heist when it's like the wide, it's like that's probably a different size so that sure. there's scale to the set or whatever. Um, and then yeah, the, you, I mean, you have like the porcelain ones of them too with the lights on the inside. It's like, I would love to see those somewhere. I, I wonder, because I know that they had a setup before where you could go and see, like, a lot of his stop-motion stuff, but, um, of course, it's never around us. But Chicago, it may happen in Chicago at some point. They got the Art Institute there, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, overall, um, I think the score is great, too. Incredible, and that's not even, like, yeah, the 
It's got good needle drops too. So you're getting both, and it's like he always has some good needle drops. I think too, even like from like some weird obscure song that you never really heard of. It's like he uh, will always find a way to it perfectly matches. He just original has, song in there too. Yep. He I think that he always tries to get one of those in too a lot of the time. Hell yeah. He just has his finger on the pulse, man. And uh, I know we have the conversation a lot, but it's like he's definitely one of my. Um, favorite directors working, and I will always. He's top ten for me. It's like just personal favorites. Like, he, yeah. I, honestly, I like the later stuff more than you know, even his first couple sure. things, which I think is the reverse uh, for a lot of. Yeah, people. Yeah, a lot of people love Rushmore and um, Truthers love Bottle Rocket, and uh, you know, I I don't know more than even like Life Aquatic. I feel more nostalgic for it. For I think about my lake house years, and you know. It, getting a lot closer with you guys and that's just um frankly a movie that makes me think of your brother like i just percent so ingrained i like hear his laugh whenever something yeah. happens um but it, yeah it's funny it's like the first two things i watch by him i'm like these are the two of the best movies i've ever seen and not to say that well frankly it's like yeah you watch halloween and the thing and it's like <laughs> going through john carpenter's stuff yeah you're probably not gonna hit that high again but you know, frankly, I, I we agree that we are in Wes Anderson's prime yeah, currently. He's cooking. Uh, Asteroid City, Rock My World. I loved French Dispatch, and I know that kind of split some people. Mm-hmm. But you know, as a writer, it's like that. We'll talk about a love letter to writing. Yeah, and even French Dispatch. Think about the animated car chase sequence you get in there, and that's not even stop motion. Great. So yeah, dude, I would love like to see what that looks like too from him. That's what I mean. Is it's like I don't even need it to be like obviously was uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox's peak and Isle of Dogs looks absolutely. I mean, think about some of the animation sequences in that. Oh, there's sequences in that movie that are on par with Fantastic Mr. Fox Literally. just as a so, whole. It's you just, know, he's cooking for sure, and it's like, but I could go stop motion. I could go two D. You know, whatever he wants to do, just keep. Well, it's like I just think I just think of like the human. Uh, characters in this movie and it's like just that style like that art style for the characters in a Willy Wonka thing would just be perfect it'd be hysterical and think about how he'd fuck up each of those kids yeah it would be so funny when she turns into a blueberry or whatever who do I need to talk to to get this up and running you gotta think that people have been asking him about it since he started adapting the books I mean and if anything that probably is going to steer him away from it yeah but I just picture 80-year-old Wes Anderson he do, he, looking like Martin Scorsese right now. And then it's like, what do you want to do? He says, Willy Wonka. I just, I can see it. <laughs> well, also, it's like, it's interesting where it's like Spielberg did BFG. Yep. And it's like, you know, love Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie from what I heard, mid. Mid. Um, but it's like, I like I loved that book when I was younger, too. And it's like, dude, I think Wes could kill that as well. I think just Roll Doll stuff is like, and I've even watched, I haven't watched all of them yet, but like, even those shorts that we did for it, it's like he just gets it, man. He just gets that author, and you can tell that he has love for him. So, you know, whenever he – and I feel like now we have – he just did this short collection, so it, even then it adds on to, like, his adaptation where it's like he adapted something, so now he's going to do a couple original stuff, and then he'll go back to adapting something. So, yeah, I probably won't see – That is interesting that he keeps going back to his stuff. Like, is there anything like that him. for you that you would, you know – I don't know. It's like I know you guys have the book club and you've been reading more, but you probably don't have an author where you're no, like, I would adapt the shit out of Not yet, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to get back into reading, so maybe, but um, some of, one day I'll find the author that like clicks with me, but um, I think that it's just, 
there's always the thing when I'm reading that it's like I'm trying to picture like, like how would I how would I direct this which I, I can't sometimes I try to distance myself because it is two different art forms but there's but to it's be, impossible not to well yeah that's I mean, just how my brain's I mean. wired so it's like but there's certain scenes like that's what you know uh, certain scenes stand out to me where it's like it's so visual and how it's described that's like I can literally just picture the scene in my head how this would be made I feel like the different, like, obviously, as a reader, you always do that, but, like, I don't know. Maybe that's just an obnoxious film thing, but it's, like, I feel like maybe we hear the music a little bit. That's what it is. It's, like, you're reading it, and it's, like, you can imagine the, sure. the, you know, the timing and the pace. Like, that's what's so great about some of these sequences is, frankly, I think half the humor in this is just the timing of some of the edits. 100%. Where somebody says a line, cut, and you get the <laughs> you get the gross up, uh, cut, what? I'm sorry, did you say something? Yeah. That's like, that's so good. Uh, I think that's a lot of his stuff, too, is he, it's always, like, less of the joke and more of the reaction to the the line or whatever that's funny in a West Anderson movie. Sure. Is it's like, someone says something out of pocket and it cuts to someone and they're just, like, <laughs> having no reaction or whatever. That's always... Or it's like, you know, they do the classic, oh, no, everything will be great, cut to it going wrong or whatever. And it's yeah, like he like, always nails that stuff. Well, even in this one, I think it's fun because he says something like, all right, you know, group meeting, and it'll, you know, cut, and it'll say group meeting, <laughs> like, above the screen, or, like, 24 hours later. Whatever. It's like, that's just, the. Just, frankly, you're always going to win my heart when you have a sense of humor, and I think that he... Uh, does it perfectly in the sense that it's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to tell this story, but like, we can have some fun while we do it. Hundred percent. Like I have, I just have always. Those are going to be my favorite types of stories. Is somebody who can find the humor even in, you know, I mean, there's some crazy stuff that happens in this well, movie yeah. for sure. There's some out of pocket stuff. There's death. Sure. There's yeah. maiming. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff. Also, shouts out Willem Dafoe. Sh- always shouts out Willem Dafoe. He would have to be like one of the no, dude. Willem Dafoe voices the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. Um, but yeah, it's like, I think more than anything, he's like, and it goes back to his connection with the author where he, he just, he can pull, he can pull the essence of what it is where it's like, I just read that it's like the novel is only like the second act of this. So it's just the main heist. But it's like, he was able to kind of look into the book and like extract like this framing for the novel mm-hmm. which is like a lot of times i feel like you see people um and you know back in the day when i was younger that's how i would be too where it's like oh they didn't adapt it perfectly that's you know a failure blah 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 but it's like no no no. these are different mediums and you have to do different things and i think that the core thing that you should do when you're adapting something is it's more important to get the essence of what you're adapting and i think that he since he has such a connection with Roald Dahl, it's like it's second nature to him to get the essence of it. And then he can just frame a Wes Anderson movie around the story that he had True. because he knows how that it already is so influential probably on his, how he makes stuff. That's so interesting. Man, you know what's funny? Well, maybe that's not true. I was going to say, I just had the highest thought of all time. <laughs> and I'm like, I smoked hours ago. So I'm not like, I'm talking before the movie for sure. So I'm not, if anything, I'm sober as shit. And I can't believe I just thought of this. But the way you're describing that almost makes me think about like, this is so stupid. It's making me think uh, about like Elton John and the fact that somebody else wrote lyrics for him. And it's like, he just looks at that and he's like, okay, I can kind of feel what this is. And then he just does the music. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a weird thing where it's like, it's not like these guys work 
and this is just a fan appreciating somebody else's work and it's almost like you can see it so clearly that it's like a it's just a true perfect adaptation and to the point where you can even extend to it you know it almost makes me think uh of course i'm talking about this guy again but um it's qt tells a story about when he first knew that he could be a writer is because he was taking a class um about some acting class and they were doing a scene about a fountain and i forgot why he had to but he basically like wrote an extra part for it and then they're looking at it after then they act it out and do whatever and after the fact they're like did you add this whole thing because it just feels like it could be a part of the same thing he's like oh man maybe instead of the acting thing maybe i should focus on the writing thing and it's like that's a cool thing when you and can And also the right decision it. for him. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Honestly, that he's easily the worst part of his movies. So, and no, that's back for, for sure. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I completely agree where it's like, there is something to be said, which is why, you know, we agree where it's like, what truly impresses us is when you can hit on all these different genres and that's, still that's find the best a tone. you could do for me. For so sure. it's like, that's important is understanding the world in which you work in. It doesn't necessarily separate you. Like, like if you only make mystery stuff, it's like, that's great. You understand you have your finger on the pulse of that genre to an expert. Yeah. It doesn't level. mean, you know, that's like, yeah, that's fine. But if you can dip your toe in each of them and you know how each of these are supposed to play out, then you're elevated. And I think even though like that, that's the thing too, is people like to put Wes Anderson in a box because he has such a unique framing, but I he does know, touch on a bunch of different stuff in all of his movies. So imagine like, being a Wes Anderson hater. Like what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. It's just like, you don't like joy. <laughs> I don't literally, you know, so I don't know. Like it just you don't like artistry. It's just, truly one of those things that has me scratching my head when somebody's like, yeah, I'm like, I mean, listen, there's some, I definitely like more than others, but you're going to say, his worst movie has so much more going for it than I feel like everything that's coming out. 100%. Well, it's like I think that there's a difference between and not necessarily working for you and to be a hater. Because there's Wes Anderson haters out there. It's like, oh, it's the same thing every time. It's like, well, then show me another director that's doing it because it's like I like going to see his movies for that reason. That, that it's that's like, why my ass is in the seat yeah. because like, I know that I'm going to get some symmetrical shit. It the you know the characters are going to be totally super fun. There's going to be a million faces that are uh, recognizable. That are given great cartoony performances, but also reserved and realistic. Sure. It's like and it's, you know a true. If I want to see some true ensemble work, I'm going to watch a Wes Anderson movie with literally the best production design and some of the cleanest camera moves you've ever seen. And colors like color yeah. science to the max. It's like I. It's they're so beautiful to walk away and not take anything from his movies. It's just baffling to me. Well, to me, it's like, and I always appreciate this whenever I see any movie where it's like it's just surgical. Like it's like you can tell that there's a hand behind this, like crafting every cut and every frame. And it's like, to me, that's even just uh, it just feels good to watch something like that where you know that even if you don't necessarily vibe with it, it's like. This is someone's creation to a T. You can tell that it's like he was able to plot out everything and get what he needs. And I think that's just important too, like the efficiency of it, where it's like, and you asked me uh, jokingly, where it's like uh, animating on a Brad Bird or a Wes Anderson movie. And it's like, I feel like everyone that talks about Wes Anderson talk about how polite 
and reserved and the welcoming sets that he creates and it's like it's for, for asteroid city he's just like everyone's hanging out it's like you're on set every day and it's like afterwards you know how they have those little campfires where they play the music that's actually happening on set because it's everyone's here for the month and we're gonna make a movie and it's like everyone's gonna have fun and everyone's gonna be involved could you imagine oh it's that's probably a dream, dream. that's well, it's like that's why you dream. have that's why you have people and, you know, people make fun of it, too, where it's like Scarlett Johansson talks about how she took, like, the minimum for Asteroid City. It's like, oh, well, you make a billion dollars. It's like, that's not the point. The point is, is that these actors want to do. It's like, this is, they're just taking what they, if they could do it for free, they probably would. But it's they're, they're, they're taking the minimum to even just show up on set for one of his movies. And I think that speaks to his character where it's like, to me, that's even like to create a good movie is one thing. To also be a genuine kind person behind creating the good movie is elevate your work to a whole nother level where you can just trust that this person is a genuine person that's taking care of the people that are making his movies and views it as a collaborative effort, which I think is important. And it's like even just how they do the audio for this movie where we talked about it where it's like he gets the main cast together and it's like, look, wherever they are in the movie we're just gonna get a boom and we're gonna mic you up like we're acting these scenes out so it's like it's funny to watch george clooney be like behind a log and he's like peeking over the log and it's like <laughs> that stuff's so fun to me where it's like why doesn't every animated animated movie do that because it's like it adds to the character so much yeah. like it's like there's something special about just the voice acting in this movie alone where it's just like you can tell that there's a certain magic to it where it's like that's why i like this movie a lot is it's like there's a plenty of great animated movies. We talked about a lot of them on this podcast, but there's such a magic to Fantastic Mr. Fox that I haven't found in any other movie that I've watched, animated or otherwise, which is why I just appreciate it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, super well said. Uh, no, I think you're totally right. It's like you can tell the love and care from every. You know, it seems like everyone involved wants these things to soar, and you can even just, yeah, and listening to the voice acting you can hear it it's like everybody wants to be there and everybody's having a good time doing it it's like at a certain point you know i think you just have such a talent like wes anderson that it's like they're probably like i don't even care what his next thing is i'll be in that in a heartbeat and well it's funny you look at you know the size of the roles for some of these cameos and it's like how long you think bill murray was there for grand budapest maybe half a day i was gonna say like a fucking hour <laughs> you know what i mean they put him in costume and he was done in five minutes you know it's like that's great that's awesome well it's like yeah because i know it's you're gonna have even if you're on screen for five minutes it's like it's gonna be a fun character to play for that five minutes and it's like because you can't get that experience anywhere else where it's like he has a unique way of telling a story and as an actor i think that would be exciting to be okay well let's go play in this uh, sandbox for a little bit where it's I'm gonna have to flex different muscles and people talk about it too where it's like and you can tell where it's like it's fun seeing him add new people to his repertoire but it's like it's fun when you see something where it's like they just get it where it's like Jeffrey Wright just gets it Brian oh, Cranston Jeffrey Wright has been incredible Brian Cranston t- gets it yeah. as like the well dude obviously longtime collaborator and it only makes sense that this performance came from him but Asteroid City, Jason Schwartzman. Oh, are you serious? Next level. That's Next level. legendary. The shouts out to him on this as well. Yeah, yeah. And you got a favorite character in the from this one? I like Mr. Fox. Yeah, I like Christopherson as well too. Christopherson's funny as shit. Yeah. 
Well, it's like there's well, just man, some... he's got some of the most out of pocket lines <laughs> of the whole movie. Well, there's this, there's like so many small little sweet moments too, like when he's, uh, you know, crying under the table or whatever, and they go and they start the trade, and they just sit there, and he holds on that for like an extra couple seconds, maybe a little bit longer than most that's people just, would. That's super. I don't, I don't think most directors would do that scene like that. That's why it's he's just, and I, I heard someone describe it. Uh, similar to this where it's like I think it's that's why I connect with it so much where it's like he strips out like a lot of the BS and just gets to the heart of what he wants to talk about which is why his dialogue seems like pretty you know just beat for beat very rhythmic but it's like he's just stripping out the BS he's like I'm gonna tell you this is what you're thinking so they're, that's what they're thinking so that's what they're gonna say because there's no like filter they're just gonna say what they're <laughs> feeling in the moment um, and I think so that's why those even though scenes where it's like there's no dialogue and that's very poignant is because the dialogue that led up to you frames everything that you need to know for this one shot that he's going to show you um and it's just like you said he's just a master working uh, and it's just fun to watch for me it's you know my eyes just blew up at the idea that uh, he added like the beginning and cut like obviously the main heist is the book but I guess I didn't realize that he wrote, he kind of wrote a, it's a sandwich. Mm-hmm. It's like he got the bread of it. And it's like, that's so tasty. That's so tasty. It's almost like he could see the book and see like, Cause well, this weird. is what it's I can't about. sit here and be like, man, the story's so good. I mean, because it is. It's him and Noah Baumbach, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like the dialogue's literally incredible. But I'm just sitting here with such a smile on my face watching because it's like the st- every like think about the opening of it of them running. It introduces the fun of them, you know, going out and stealing, and they get caught. Like and the then you get Mr. then you have fine. a serious conversation. And you're like, oh, I, oh, it's just a flashback. What the heck? And we see where they end up. It's like in literally ten minutes, I know so much about these characters, and it's like, oh. It's literally the a world. Drool. Yeah. yeah, you know about the world. Beautiful world. And, you know, the goals of these characters. You know, Christofferson wanting to be, you know, an athlete. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's just the, it's masterful stuff. And it's great because it's like, okay, there's obviously we're going to run into hurdles. How much is that going to affect, you know, not only these characters, but the world too? And it's like everything that goes wrong affects more than just him. So it keeps growing. And then, man, it just, it, it's so tasty. And of course, it's so cleanly laid out. Like this motherfucker has to love maps and shit, wow. right? Where it's like everything is just, you look at the screen and you're reading it like a goddamn map because you're like, oh, this is, he loves his wides and every oh well it's like you you could you could tell that it's like a lot of times people will say you know it's like oh you're just like in some of the movies it's like a lazy thing would just be you show exactly what you need like the information is written down for everything but what he does is he's like okay i'm gonna do that but i'm gonna make sure that it's visually interesting each time that's the more important piece is it's like sure you're just gonna show us information on the screen to relay all this stuff which is like you know do it once that's fine if you keep doing it but it's like he finds it thing each time whether it's a camera move or the way he frames it it's always interesting where it's like the whole bit with it it's like oh we'll mark us on the and it just goes down and it's like you get this whole camera move as it's laying out their whole plan it's like as long as you do it visually and make it visually interesting it's like that's going to take your audience is going to be gripped no matter what he just has even though it is very precise and you can almost predict where the camera is going to move in a Wes Anderson movie. For sure. It's like each time it just feels deliberate and it feels precise and it keeps you interested no matter what. And well, how he shoots the story every time. So it's like you say predictable and it's like 
Yeah, it's not like he's Paul. It's not some big secret. You know, he's going to tell you exactly what he wants you to know. Yep. And it's like there's a there's a reason for every movement of the camera. Every time we turn, it's like everything has been planned. Mm-hmm. It's just such a treat to sit down and like what a ride to to get to go on. Frankly, and I think that you pointed out, and it's like, of course, that's what makes it style unique. But the way you said it, where it's like. Uh, I don't think anyone else would shoot a scene like that. And just and it's like there's a hold on. Yeah, and it's like there's multiple moments like that where it's like when the when the it's first getting caved in at the start and it just you get like two to three second shot and each of their faces looking up. And it's like I don't know many other directors that would like take the time to do that before everything comes earlier, but the fact that he decides even in an animated movie to focus on the reactions mm-hmm. of a lot of these moments, it's like, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, we always talk about good direction being show me your location, mm-hmm. let me know where I'm at, and then present the information. And it's like, think about how well he's doing that in this movie. It's like, I could tell, like, you you see everything, you know exactly how everything's laid out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's so clean. And to do that in stop motion, too. Yeah. No rules, man. Creating a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you're not... You're still, you know, limited to realism in a certain regard, but it's like you're creating a whole new world. You're pulling it out of pages of books, pictures in the book, which is awesome where it's like, yeah, that first shot of Mr. Fox is very close to like the cover of the book where it's like you can just tell that it's like I'm going to in each of his movies, whether it's live action or animated, it's like he creates a world. And I always say where it's like I will always be in the seat for Wes Anderson movies, one, because I like him, but two. At the end, I always have a feeling that is very unique to a Wes Anderson movie where I just have, even if it's a sad one, it's like I still have this warmth in my chest. Where it's like I just, it's like it feels like a hug no matter what. And I think that, um, you know, if I was smarter, I'd be able to put it into words better. But it's like maybe as I keep watching his movies, it will come to me more and more. But I think that, yeah, he's just this unique soul. And I'm glad that this was kind of my um entry point for him because I think it is very indicative of what he values as a filmmaker in general um, and even yeah when I first started watching it we said it multiple times but it's like it's the fact that it was stop motion it's like every frame man and I think that's why he just excels so well in it is because it's just like you can tell that he's just in control to have to move the camera in an animated I, movie I can't even imagine and it's like he's doing shit with rack and focus and stuff and you're like I can't even imagine yeah how does that even play out in stop motion I don't is it like each frame you gotta scoot the camera back like a millimeter or something I don't I literally don't know I'm t- yeah I don't know I can't even imagine built like, different and he's moving it around every single scene that's what I'm saying this is, wow there's just he's built different yeah literally it's like the oh yeah yeah i don't know like it's funny because it's like not nah, this turned into just us fanboy I mean, Anderson, we but it's that. like, that's how it was hey listen be. what a, this is a fantastic mr fox pod and we're not gonna hype up this man this it, man gave us fantastic mr fox that's a that's the best gift a person can that's give what me I'm saying. and i don't even know this man <laughs> happy birthday to me well it's just fun like one of the film's a cool medium because it it allows you to think outside the box and how to express certain feelings and put, you know, visuals to it. And you sit there and you say these movies make you feel warm while you're watching. And it's like, how wonderful is it that you say that? And in this movie, we get those moments of like, I feel warm and you're glowing. And it's like, it's glowing. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's so good. Like, that's, that's so good. And it's simple. That's simple. And it, to end the movie with it. Oh, 
It's like, oh, we're both, we're both glowing. glowing. That's so good. I well, literally and can't I, believe it. And it even goes a step further where it's like at the beginning when he says it, it's like she's pregnant and he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And then it's like at the end she tells him and it shows that he's excited as well. And he's finally accepted his life. Mm-hmm. As, and it's like, that's just, and it's like to do that just visually with a quick little cutaway gag yep. that's made to be a joke. But also it's like, like you said, it just tells so much about the characters and such a little thing that it's like, that's just a masterwork in it. What more can be said about that? It's like he's just cooking and it's sad because of, um, I forgot the guy's name, but the guy that directed Book of Life. Mm. And it's like he goes and he's talking to the studio about making another animated movie. And I think I told you this story before. This is literally, I'm talking, you want to piss me off immediately, you start talking about this story, go for it. Well, it's like, it, it, was, it gets my blood boiling. It was something about like he was describing, you know, his idea for the next movie and all this stuff. And He's walking through the hallways of this studio, and he sees the Fantastic Mr. Fox movie. He's like, oh, man, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And the studio executives are like, yeah, that movie taught us a very important lesson. And he's like, oh, what? And he's like, to not listen to filmmakers' grand visions as that, or else you're going to lose money. So, And it's like as he's talking to the studio executive about pitching his movie, and the studio executive only views dollar signs instead of like the artistry that was on display in that. He's like, we learned to not listen to these grand visions that people have because it lost us a lot of money. And it's like, to look at that poster on your wall, hey, we made that, and to have that be your takeaway from it just shows kind of like where I think a lot of problems come from, especially in these, if you're not making an animated movie for Disney, it's like, I can only imagine that it's like, that's why you get a lot of these cookie cutter stuff because it's going to make money. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And that's why something like Spider-Verse comes along and it's cool where it's like, you're taking an IP that's going to make money. And even Spider-Verse didn't make a lot, the first one. The second one, of course, did because they saw the value in it. But it's like, you're taking something like Spider-Man and it still doesn't make a lot of money because it is different and it's unique. And it's like, but that's why I think it's important with these big IPs that you know will create, you know, a lot of revenue. That's where you can, like, that's why it becomes boring where it's like where we are with the MCU now, where it's just kind of very the same thing over and over again. It's like, no, we, we can use this stuff to take risks and to try new things because we kind of have the safety blanket of, hey, it's a Spider-Man movie. People are going to go see a Spider-Man movie. But now what they're doing is they're just doing those same cookie cutter stuff and it's losing faith. So now they have to feel like they got to go into the formula more. Mm-hmm. But what they don't understand is that people want to see new stuff. People want to see stuff that they haven't seen before. And they just there seems to be such a disconnect and I don't understand how it can be so cartoonish as it is where it's like, you know, a lot of times they'll paint the studio executives as villains and then you start to learn about it. Like, man, I can't believe that they don't see themselves as, and I guess, yeah, it's, that's why film is such an interesting thing because there is a lot of money being invested into these things. Sure. Because they return so much, but it's sad to see something where it's like 40 million. Sure. That of course, that's a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like with these studios, it's like, that's a mid-budget movie. And it just didn't make its money back. So now it's kind of like a blacklisted reminder on their wall of what not to listen to is visionary directors coming in to pitch an animated movie. And it's like, if that's your takeaway, then where are we? It's like, I'd literally just walk out of that building I think that's, I think he said that that was the end of the movie. Yeah, it's like, as it should be, because what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Are you kidding me? I pray to that poster every fucking night. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> if serious? I had any hand in making that, 
Are you kidding me? I I oh, wear that like a badge of honor. I'm telling you, you're not hearing the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing that like a badge of honor, bro. Are you kidding me? Like, how could you not? It's like that's fantastic, Mr. Fox, bro. Anything that gets in the criteria for me, I'm like, hey, I got hey, it. You know what I'm saying? That's a win. Honestly, that's just one of for me one of the coolest criterions on the list. All time cover too. Like that's one of the best criterion covers in my opinion. With them at the dinner, I think it just looks and it's like in that painterly style. It's like, come on, man, that's what criterion covers are all about. Give me a work of art on the cover. Um, but yeah, I mean. We need more animated movies on Criterion in general. Yeah, I'm happy Pinocchio's getting added. You know, I'll have that. You know, I don't know why I take it so personal. I feel like anytime there's an animated one, it's like I feel like I got to pick it up mm-hmm. um, just to shop. It's every day I'm reminded that people out there separate animated movies into a different group of lesser like things. Like it's not making a movie, bro. I don't under-fucking-stand <laughs> it, dude. I'll never understand it. I literally, it's so funny, I literally look and I'm like, oh, you're one of those. Yeah. Got it. Come nice. on, man. We're, it's literally making a movie. It's the same thing. If, well, I mean, it's it's, it's still it's, gonna, it's still issues and it's still, I, I don't know, man. It just pisses me off. I feel like at the end of the day, maybe it's just the fact, it's got to be that there's no actual people on the screen, so they feel like it's lesser, but you still got actors coming in to fucking talk and, you know, do the voice acting, it's like voice acting is just as important, it's like look at all the video games, but get, hey, we're talking about people who get disrespected, so frankly, video games, yeah, it's like, man. Well, it's like, I think like you said, it's like film is such a unique thing where it can put these visuals to the feelings that you're feeling. And I think that animation just goes to the next step where it's like, okay, well, let's just take away reality. And now we can add visuals to anything that we want to represent the feelings. And it's like, how could you not be intrigued by that? How could you not be enticed by that? It's like, to me, that's why it's on like, you know, animated movies I always seek out because I do think it is such unique in the way where it's like, you have free range as long as you create an art style and you stay in that and even that can be flexible it's like how is that not enticing to people where it's like there's sure it's like it's i think it's because of the oversaturation with disney and pop culture where it's like sometimes that's all they know sometimes they see despicable me and think it's a disney movie and that's when you know that you're lost (laughs) that's obi-wan then you truly are lost. <laughs> Whenever someone says that, they're like, oh, yeah, my favorite uh, Pixar movie is Tangled. I'm like, you are lost. Yeah, there's no saving you. Not the same. There's God. no saving you. Because to me, there's a lot of those. Uh, well, that, I always get reminded of that, too, where I'm like, oh, man. God. Well, I don't know. You know, Not everyone's going to take movies as seriously, obviously, as we do. And that's totally fine. Completely you know, okay. I'm not saying everyone has to... You know, like movies like that. But, but that's why it hurts. To say like, you do like movies and then hit me with the that thing. energy is I'm like, what the fuck are you talking That's about? the thing is there's a lot of people that are super into movies and then still disrespect animated stuff. And it's unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. I don't get it. Where it's like, I'll give the pass on the people that say Cars 3 is their favorite animated movie. Are you? Because uh, really, that's not a pass for me. Because I know. That's a separate problem. No, because what it's showing me is that it's like, okay. That, <laughs> if that, they say Cars 3, that's boomer energy. They're, and no, <laughs> no, no, that's well, anti-tech like, movie. <laughs> it's like, no no disrespect, but this is the kid in right field picking grass, you know, oh, and I'm here playing yeah. the game. <laughs> 
and that's fine. I'm not going to disrespect. Yeah, they just don't want to be here. Yeah, that's they fine. just don't want to be hey, here. There, you know, and I'm up there trying to hit home run. <laughs> that's so funny. So that's why it's like, but it's the people that do love movies and then still give a side eye to anime stuff. And it's like I understand if all you're thinking about is Disney stuff. I get it, but there's way more out there than just that. And you know, if you can't see, if you can't see the mastery at display in this movie in Incredibles it's like to me it seems like there's a disconnect between where your love of movies is and you know this is me opinion that's all this podcast is it's just speaking opinions out into the world and I'm just a single person talking about that but I think that there is something to be said about that where it's like if you can't appreciate the mastery and that as much as you can appreciate the mastery and you know another live action movie it's like where's that disconnect for you where you can't see um, the process here for filmmaking where it's like sure it's a different style but there's you still need to know how to make a movie to make an animated movie and if you make a great animated movie then guess what you made a great movie it doesn't matter if it's animated or not with I mean I just think about Wes Anderson stuff in general and how hard like we go out we've done Wes Anderson inspired shit and you know how hard it is to do that stuff let alone to do that in stop motion animation 100%. The difficulty alone to accomplish this movie, this good of a movie, is such a feat. It's absolutely crazy. And on the note of just animated movies in general getting dissed, it blows my mind. Because frankly, as an artist, you know, for me, sometimes the hardest thing is when you can, when you do have yeah, and unlimited options. And frankly, with animated movies, you can do anything. There's no, you know, rules. Frankly, so you could bring whatever you want to to life, and it's like that. That to me is just as hard sometimes as, you know, making the stuff that we do. It's like, we don't have a budget. It's like, we know some talented people that, you know, want to tell some stories and we do with what we have, but we kind of work well with those constraints versus somebody saying like, okay, you're adapting this. What do you want to do? You know what? Day one, I'd love to know what, you know, Wes sits down and he's just book. Okay, here's. I think there needs to be more documentaries about like the filmmaking process in general. Where a lot of times you'll get it on a filmmaker and you'll get a little bit of each of them. But it's like I would kill for a documentary that's like I want to see Wes Anderson's in the room. project. I want to see like, him in the room, day one of pre-production to the premiere of the film. Yeah, let's see that. Well, dude, just like the we just got like the God of War when that yeah. game came out. I like, that like stuff one of those. I love that stuff, man. It's like I love that. Well, it's like now, especially with YouTube and. Um, where it's like there's even like you know a bigger documentary made called Indie Game the Movie that talks about like a couple indie game developers going through and it's like it's so interesting to me in general to see the just the creative process where it's like I love the song breakdowns where it's like people are like here's what they were doing they they recorded the guitar from the other room and they put the microphone up into the wall it's like stuff like that it's like yes yes let me figure out how and I know that some people can that makes them disenchanted with it but for me it makes it more yeah, it makes it more enchanting. At that um, point, you're what you're. The people who want to make this stuff are the ones watching yeah. the making of yeah. it. You know, just if you're just casual movie watcher, it's like you don't have to. You know, that can exist. And you still don't have to watch. Sure. It. So it's like, well, it's like I just think that just the process of any person with you know creativity. Like at the end of the day, it's all one big magic trick. So if you'd rather not know how yeah. they do the trick, then don't fucking read yeah. how to do the. Yeah. You're not gonna buy a book on magic tricks if you don't want to be it to be spoiled. hundred percent. As filmmakers, it's like oh, it's at the end of the day, it's just problem solving. So you just sit there and watch this thing. You say, how the hell did they do that? 
uh, yeah, we just need more of it. And you brought up an interesting point too, where it's like, um, there was this trend recently, right before Asteroid City came out, where it's like, you get these AI generators doing like whatever in Wes Anderson style. Or there's a TikTok trend where it's like accidentally Wes Anderson saw this stuff. And it's like, from that stuff alone, you could tell how hard it is where it's like, sure, you got kind of the style, but it's like you have none of the substance and you have none of like the whenever it's like, especially the TikTok one where they're trying to do the camera moves and stuff. It's like, you don't know what you're doing, but I respect that you like him enough to try this. But it's like, to me, that shows where it's like, sure, you have a style that's one, instantly identifiable, but two, hard to replicate, even though on the surface, it looks like, oh, that looks pretty simple. But then you understand that it's like, okay, this man's firing on all cylinders all the time because that stuff's tough as hell. It's extremely difficult. Extreme. That's why one of my favorite podcasts of all time is when his DP goes on Roger Deacon's pod. Yeah. That shit almost had me tearing up listening to it. Oh, it's like literally just hearing them talk about, like, I don't know, my passion for movie making is just so strong that even hearing, you know, these stories about some of my favorite filmmakers going out and location scouting and the cameraman's acting as one of the roles is they're just reading it trying to figure it out it's like and they're like shooting the whole movie basically. yeah talk about my dream fucking life are you kidding me and you know i have nothing but high praise for wes anderson and his team that you know builds this stuff because it's truly magic but you know it's interesting uh i think wes anderson's an easy one that you could so I'm not saying this in terms of difficulty of filmmaking, but he just has such a distinct style. It's easy to copy. It's like you can watch one frame of something and be like, oh, they're trying to do what's Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Um, but frankly, think about how many movies Wes Anderson has seen. You know, it's like you hear these stories about QT, about some of these other directors. And at the end of the day, they're just as big enough fans as we are, and they've seen a million things. So to Wes, it's like, like, we look at him as an enigma with such a distinct style, but frankly, for him, it might as well just be talking. Mm-hmm. And he's just seen so many movies that it's like he's picking little things from here and there. You listen to him talk about Grand Budapest Hotel and how, oh, this part, this is literally just this movie. It's just this is how he sees how he the sees world. It, yeah. So it's funny because I feel like, yeah, you look at these trends and stuff of people doing it, and yeah, you might get the look, but it's just mis- they're not talking that way. They're just trying to mimic that yeah. look. Um, it's just, it's funny. I, th- I truly do think he's a one of one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like he, he has such a distinct filmography as well, where it's like, you can tell in the early stuff, it's like, he's wearing his inspirations on his sleeve and you can see, you can still see his style in it. It's just over time in his filmography, because he has such a distinct style, you can literally see it be crafted before your eyes. If you watch all of them. And I think that's super awesome and unique as well. Where it's like a lot of times you see filmmakers get you know more tight with their filmmaking and that you can tell that they get better as they go on but there's one thing to watch someone's style literally develop over their filmography where it's like you go back you watch Rushmore and Bottle Rocket and stuff like that for lack of a better comparison it's like similar to more normal movies with some Wes Anderson isms in there then cut to Asteroid City and you're like oh he's just it's Wes Anderson isms for the whole movie and I think that's fun to look at and like to look at his trajectory of his career. It'd be similar to watch something like Spaced. Yeah. And then, you know, get the then see Shaun of the Dead and then you well, get to see Hot Fuzz and Scott Pilgrim and you're like, oh my God, this guy's actually like absolutely cooking. And, you know, I think basically out of the gate, you know, Edgar Ray has a pretty strong. That's what I was going to say is Shaun of the Dead. It's like you compare that to like his most recent stuff and you're like, 
man, he was just kind of cooking for the. <laughs> he, he knew exactly yeah. what he wanted to do from yeah. the very beginning, which is awesome to see. Because I haven't seen space, but I, I've seen some scenes from it. It's like, man, dude, it's still Edgar Wright. Yeah, he knew still... what he wanted to make, mm-hmm. which is cool to see as well. But you're right, where it's like, even compare something to like Baby Driver, where it's like very, you know, American style in a way, but it's like, it still has. What I love about filmmakers like Wes Anderson, like Edgar Wright, is it's like they're able to do these different genres, these different stories, but they you can still see, you know, their style all over it. It's like, that's why it's like, I want Wes Anderson to keep doing, like, the whole thing that we're getting now where it's like Benicio Del Toro playing, like, a master heist or a master thief or whatever. It's like, what is that going to look like? And we kind of get a little taste in this one, but it's like live action Benicio Del Toro. And it just excites me because it's like, Isn't I want Michael Sarah too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to see what that movie looks like. Where it's like, yeah, it's like Edgar Wright, I want him to keep making these different, even though I wasn't that big of a fan of it last night in Soho, I appreciate it. Because it's like, what's an Edgar Wright horror movie look like? And there's some insane sequences in it for that sure. only Edgar Wright could do. So. I'm going on, uh, this is documented. I'm a fan, for sure. Uh, shouts, shouts out to my boy. Keep him coming. Keep him coming. You just uh, love Edgar Wright, which I do too, but. Yeah, that's true, but that, not in the way that it's like every movie's five-star clanger. It's like, no, I still think the early stuff's goaded with him. Well, I'm just a Cornetto Trilogy fanboy more than anything. Uh, but no, and Great's also one of my ten favorite filmmakers. Yeah. And if anything... Where's that animated movie? Well, man, it's like, you're talking high school, Luca. Edgar Wright is hands down one of my oh, yeah. favorite working. But now, 26-year-old Luca... Wes Anderson's got his numbers. He just, I'm I'm sorry, he does. It's we like, just need to see him flex a little bit more, I think, Edgar Wright. Well, see, the fun thing with Wes Anderson is it's like, he's just active, man. Every couple, every couple of every years, year, you're, almost. you're getting something. And it's like, that's, that's what's great, is that he's bouncing around as much as he is. He just never stops. Whereas he Edgar Wright's going to gonna take some time in between. Yeah, he does the appearances, all their places, interview, pioneering. Not pioneering, but championing film and film restoration and stuff like that. that. Guy, you know what he's doing? He's just watching, movies. watching movies. I love that. He'll just yeah. post like the hundred stack of movies that he just watched over the month. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Well, it's like, I to me, it's like due to how fast Wes Anderson works, it's like he must have like a binder of stuff that he knows he wants to do. But also then it I it brings the question of where it's like, when does he get the time to sit down and write this stuff where he just seems to always have the next project lined up immediately. Um, and now that we got two in one year, it's like we'll probably have to wait, skip next year and get the one the next year after. But I'll always be in the seat because, yeah, man, I can just hope that. Here soon, I'll be in the seat to watch another stop-motion one. Man, I can't believe I'm bringing this up, but there's a student down in MassCom, and I don't even know why I was asking for it, asking this question. I said, no fighting. We're not getting started in any arguments. What's the underrated movie? Everybody go around the room. I couldn't believe this kid had the balls to look me in the face and say Asteroid City. I wrote it on the board day one and said, you know, like movie, Luca movie recommendation, Asteroid City. He said underrated or overrated? Overrated. Did I say underrated? Oh, shit. Yeah. Over, what's an overrated movie? He said Asteroid City. Let's see. Uh, let's see what you, let's see your top four. <laughs> hey, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> let's, let's dive into the top four real quick. No, no disrespect. Everyone can have their opinion, but 
sometimes how I always like to frame it. And this may be a little bit mean spirited, but honestly, this is how I think reviews should work in general is, um, you know, you say something like that to me and then instantly what I think is it's like, oh, we're not on the same wavelength. So I'll double think your recommendations and that's okay. Cause I may still get around to your recommendation, but I'm going to find someone that's maybe more on the wavelength with me. And when they recommend something that's instantly going to the top of my list. Yeah. And I just think that's how review, like, I think we should get rid of, and you know, you're going to roll your eyes at this, get rid of review scores. <laughs> and then it's literally, you just find someone that can talk about movies and appreciates things in movies that you do too. And then, you know, sometimes you'll still disagree because, you know, film is, um, subjective to a certain level. So it's like, um, you know, it's tough doing it with our, I think it's just natural because frankly, I'm a sports fan. Yeah. Uh, I love lists. I love, uh, ranking things. So I they feel like it only makes list. sense. It's like, you know, we, yeah, look at on, look at on twos. It's like we made a Pixar tier list. It's like, I feel like it's just natural to try and rank things or, you know, for me, it's always fun because we sit there all day and what are we doing? We're just saying, you know, this or that questions. And frankly, they can be similar. They can be different comparing different things. It's like, I think it's all fun to, uh, Oh, I'm a big to fan of your stuff, list for sure. But, you know, I do think you're right in the sense that, you know, yeah, we're just looking for people with similar. I That's what I hate is when people talk like this is the only. Yeah, man. Well, it's like that's what I think review scores end up doing more than anything, especially like with online this, discourse. Even in this podcast, it's like this is just our opinion, you know, and if however much you value that based on here and other stuff that we've talked about, you know, that's totally fine. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's like. This is the greatest movie of all time, and if you don't think so, it's like, yeah. no, it's like, I think that, and that's all I'm saying, yeah. is it's like, I think it's that good. Why do you think we started a podcast to begin with? Because we just, like, talk about our opinions. I know, yeah, opinions. it's just, you know, it doesn't, it means as much as you want it to. Yep. That's how I feel. Yep. So. 100%, where it's like, yeah, you just find people that you like to hear their uh, perspective on, which is what we always dive into when we talk about movies anyways, is it's an exercise in perspective. But um, honestly, most art in general. A lot of people love looking for an argument too. Hundred you know, percent. Sometimes you just say something to see if anybody's eyebrows will raise. And hundred percent. Maybe I'm just getting a little older in the fact that I'm not necessarily looking for an argument. I'm just kind of stating how I feel, and uh, that's really all I got. But. Yeah, it's like let me see what, how you feel. I may disagree, but then I'll just say, hey, I, I mean, view it this way. How often in your life your opinion changes? So it's like. That's movies alone, it's like, I okay, I watched this movie one time when I was fucking 14. You know, I could have had a completely different opinion watching this now. So that's just... I hope every time I rewatch a movie that I was kind of middling on that my opinion will change. Because it's like, I want to come to it with a different perspective. It's like, yeah, I think that's one thing too, where it's like nowadays it's always tough, where it's like, especially with social media, which is also one of those things where it's like, I really don't like tweeting or posting that much. Because if I post, I only do stuff that I'm, you know, dead set on. Because I know if I go back, someone's going to pull something and say, well, you like this back when it came out. It's like, sure, I like that then. And then nowadays I watch it. I'm like, oh, I don't really like it that much. Because nowadays on the internet, people would just grab your opinion and rub it in your face and say, you're wrong about everything because you have this opinion. And it's like, I think that's such a lame way of looking at things where it's like, your opinions are allowed to change. You're, you can have opinions that differ from one thing to another. 
but nowadays it's like everything's just solidified as soon like what do people call it where it's like your digital footprint where it's like now it's just kind of locked in stone where it's like i think that's such an obnoxious way to view things and i think with percentages on rotten tomatoes and review scores and everything it's like i think that people uh, not everyone but it's like there's a certain value that people put on films and movies and games now films tv shows games nowadays where it's like if it doesn't have this review score then what's the point of even looking at it or talking about it and i think that's such a lame thing where it just keeps feels like it's rate rate like rising up where it's like now if a game gets an eight people roll their eyes and say what a bad game what what are we talking about some things are great that's basically like saying a four-star movie isn't worth watching it's like, I think that's such a lame way of thinking about things. I mean, again, that's just one of those things that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And the, like, I'm my Adam Sandler fan, man. What <laughs> high ratings. I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I was raised watching horror movies and comedies. So frankly, it's like, I lived in the trenches of the bad genre stuff and, you know, whatever rating something gets, it's like, what is it? Okay. I'm watching. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. You think I give a shit about rating? That movie's awesome. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. So it's funny. It's like I like to rank and, you know, yeah. It's like I look at my letterbox and it's like, yeah, okay, when I made it, I rated everything harshly. And as I've gotten a little older, perspective changes. Uh, I don't rate the same way that I used to. Sure. So people can pull up stuff and be like, you know, I gave this that. And I said, man, I've. Truly, I watched that when I was 17. That was nine years ago. Yep. So, yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I'm I'm not, like, hiding it. You know, I guess I don't have many people in my life, you know, pulling up my receipts like that. And if I did, I might feel a little more similar to you. But, you know, for now, uh, I'm happy to upset some people. With sure. I, you know what's so funny is if I put... Uh, a movie that I watched on Letterboxd without a rating, people are like messaging, sliding up in the DMs and well, what's the rating? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, people really can't. There is part of me that's been thinking, it's like, do I go back through and re-rate all this stuff to get back out of that world? I, I don't know. It's just, for me, it's fun because it's like the difference between a three and a half star with a like yeah, versus a four star no like. It's like, that's bold and that's character to me. <laughs> And I, that's what I care about. And it's funny because not everybody even ranks that way. So yeah. what does it matter? But if you do, like in my head, that math adds. I was just talking with Max about this. He was pissed. I rated something two, yeah. two and a half with a like. And I'm like, Max, that's a bad movie, man. But, but I like it. Self-aware, super fun, would rewatch. It's like, that's the definition of two and a half stars with a like. It's yeah. like, this is bad, but they know it's bad. So you're having a good time, and that's why we're yeah. here, and that's why we're going to revisit versus something that's just a straight-up two-star, no like, get it out of my face. Yeah. The like goes a long way. <laughs> the like, well, that's why I've resorted only to likes. Yeah. Because at the b- bottom line, it's like, did I like the movie or didn't I? And mm-hmm. that's all I kind of showcase now. But, yeah, like, I, I think you're right, where it's like there's a certain level of character where it's like three and a half, no like. Interesting. Okay, competently made, but a little bit of a snoozer. That's what I <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. Is it's like, I could look at the rage and did break it down in my head with math, and I'm like, this is so obnoxious. That's what I'm doing. But I think ultimately people just, and you know, I'm guilty of the same thing. It's like people just want their opinions validated. But at the end of the day, I think it shows growth where you can uh, just kind of disconnect yourself from that and say, well, it's just my opinion, and that's why 
we have this podcast just to voice our opinion, and the only opinion that matters is that Fantastic Mr. Fox five star clang. Maybe yeah, six maybe, star. <laughs> maybe six stars for this one. You know, we said top five animated movies earlier. You know, of our lifetime. What's that just off the top of your head? What do you think that list is looking like? It's such a beautiful day is in there for me. Fantastic Mr. Fox in there for me. Incredibles in there for me. Maybe one of the Spider-Verse movies. Yeah, probably Wally would be in there, maybe. Uh, what um, about, like, Toy Story, though, you know? Yeah, that's a tough one. But then, guess what? You get this, this the Studio Ghibli stuff, too. That's one of those things where it's like, I'd probably have to put in something like... But Princess guess what? Mononoke. Princess Mononoke came out before I was alive, I think. That's true. What was that, 95? I think so. And Toy Story came out before the first one did. Well, if I'm talking top five animated, I'm talking about one of the Toy Story sequels. Hello. Three's um, loaded. Hmm. We already know that opinion, though, that three's the best, and that's the only opinion you should have. But what can be said? Only Monsters, Inc.'s up there. Monsters, Inc.'s great. I, but it's like when I think Pixar, and it's like if I'm talking top of the top, it's like we already have this problem where I look back at my even my rankings and I'm sharing them with my girlfriend, and she's like, oh, man, that low. And I'm like, yeah, but like once you get past 20, <laughs> it's like these are all good. <laughs> so you're just dealing with the best of the best, where it's like I think for me it always goes as much as I love Toy Story, mm-hmm. as much as I love Toy Story. It's like I think I'm taking Incredibles and Wally over the Toy Story, but then, but then you're talking like Wally's two, and it's like Toy Story three's four. So it's like we're in this realm where it's like it's right there. It's just if I'm going top five all time, Fantasia. But that's before I was born. Yeah. So let me think. We got it's such a beautiful day. Incredibles, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Spider Verse, and then I need like a middle finger to the man. You know, I need something that's going to get people riled up, but asses in the seats to listen to the next episode, you know? And truthers will know this based on prior episodes. If I, if this is my five favorite animated movies of my lifetime, I need something funny as hell like Emperor's New Groove, dude. Respect. I need, I need Respect. something. That shit, it's so funny because we sit here and it's like we could dissect the hell out of Fantastic Mr. Fox of how well it's put together. God, you want to talk about just a smile on your face for 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing, too, is what I like about Ever's New Groove is it's got style, too. You got them pulling down the projector. So fucking funny. It's like we got the projector going down. We're circling stuff like it's a football game. It's like there's style to that. Where it, I think that's so They've funny. lost some nah, of their style. Top five strong, but shit. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, who cares? If this is my, like, Desert Island, I get five. You, you're look, Here's more how I'm phrasing it. When I say these lists, it's like. If you were to go to my car, right, and maybe this is a little 2004 of an analogy, but it's you were going to my car and you're looking, what five CDs do I have in my car? That's what this list is. Not sure. if the world ended and you had these five. It's like, no, but if we had a sneak peek into your closet, you know, and you only had to have five of your lifetime, it's like, that might be my five. And it has to be in your, in your lifetime after you were born. Mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc. might be up there, though. Monsters, Inc. could give Emperor's New Groove a... See, when you start playing the heartstrings and you get the humor, that's when it's like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, man, I may have to go something like Millennium Actress. That's 2001. I'm looking... Now I'm looking at the year that stuff's released. Iron Giant 99. <laughs> Iron Giant 99. Fred Bird. Fred Bird. Shots out. Over the Garden Wall. 
come on, man. There's too many. There's too much good here. Wind rises. I'm excited for when we eventually watch that. I was just but. talking with D about that. He's extremely excited. Honestly, a lot of love from the draft. Uh, people are loving the picks. Speaking of that, should we talk about what next week's episode is going to be? Yeah, so we're in an interesting spot where last season one, we tried to go a little bit more tied into the time of year. And for the most part, this is going to be um, different where we're just going to have a bunch of movies that we're going to be watching, not necessarily tied to anything. But because next Tuesday is Halloween, we were looking through the list and we don't really have a spooky movie on there. So it's like we had to kind of decide what we think matches the vibe best and you can go ahead and say what our next pick episode two of season three will be well nature definitely right in the sense that we don't quite have anything that matches halloween perfectly but outside of this podcast nate and i have a new uh tradition tradition that we're going to do every halloween uh, maybe on the Halloween days they call on a weekday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if we got a weekend, that's going to be a party. It's going to be a party time. But around Halloween, and we'll hopefully every October 31st, we're going to watch the Batman. So, with that being said, we have to watch Mask of the Phantasm next week. With it being Halloween day, that's got to be the pick. Mm-hmm. So, just, yeah, we're going to hit double feature for sure. No. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, Mask of the Phantasm, tight, hour 15. No, I, we'll, we'll have to watch it before because so it can release. So the they episode. can release um, on on two. But just know when you're listening to that, we'll be We're watching, watching the Batman, Batman for sure. Shouts out to the Batman think movie. It's been a little bit since I've watched Mask of the Phantasm, but I do think that maybe there's a Christmas thing in there. So it may be off vibes a little bit. But it's cold. It's cold. Gotham City's cold. Everyone's wearing well, jackets. Like we're watching Sub Zero. That's true. That's true, but dude, you're in for a treat. How long has it been since you watched Mask of the Phantasm? Shit. I don't even know. It's up there in terms of like Batman movies, like adapting Batman the character to the screen. It's like, I mean, look, you get, and it's not a big budget, but it's like you get the animated series people with saying make a feature film, and uh, they stepped up to the task, and ultimately it's like this, if we're talking like, some of those best animated episodes, it's like, this is them flexing. It's like, no, we could do a movie too. And I think that's why it rocks about it. And it's like new spin, adding a new character to the mythos, which they were great at with the animated series. So they're cooking. It's probably going to look, oh my God, it's going to be, I'm salivating just thinking about the OLED with that movie. Because, um, you know, it's the animated series and the animated series itself looks great on the OLED. So I think we both, you know, I think, we both love Batman. We both love Spider-Man. So uh, I think, frankly, we're going to be in for another treat. It's been a long time. Looking forward to it. Love the animated series. Love that version of Batman. Frankly, when you ask me, you know, you say Batman the character, and I think in my head, it's like, that's what I see 100%. is the animated show. That's what I hear. I hear Mark Hamill as the Joker. I don't hear fucking Heath Ledger. I don't hear Jack Nicholson. You know, I do love all those adaptations. Frankly... Other than Jared Leto, I'm eating it all up. Yeah. Um, but no, the the animated show is always, that's like, that's that's canon. And I think, it, once again, and we'll probably talk more about it in that episode, but it kind of points to um, animation being freeing a little bit where it's like a lot of these live action stuff has now been fearful to do the fantasy with the Batman. And uh, when it's animated, they're not necessarily tied to it being super realistic. So you get Gotham looking like this old like perpetually stuck in the 1920s or 1940s or whatever and it's like this art deco um you know 
noir-y fantasy that I think when I picture Batman, like you said, it's like I'm picturing animated series because I think that captures the essence of what I like personally. Because there's multiple ways to do Batman, but it's like what I like about Batman is that animated series, what they got, where he's a little bit more slim, he's more of a detective, and it's like when he fights stuff, it's like he's dodging more, and then he gets the one punch, and it's like as much as I like Ben Affleck going in and tanking like Arkham Asylum, it's like there's something to me about this sleuthy Batman that um, elevates it to I mean, the next I love Batman to be slick with it. You know, I think that in general to do Batman right, he's got to be the smartest person in the room 100%. rather than have the biggest fist in the room. Um, so that's why it's always like uh, Batman with prep time. Who is he being? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for real? The default uh, answer is everyone. If he has prep time, he can beat anyone, mm. which I think is a fun way to think about the character. But yeah, so I'm excited. It's any, fun. Any to... final thoughts with Fantastic Mr. Fox? Uh, no, I mean, hopefully we like to treat this uh, as kind of like a movie club as well. So hopefully you've already seen Fantastic Mr. Fox. But if you haven't, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. I think that it is a treat for the eyes overall and also a treat for the heart. Um, so if you haven't seen it, I definitely suggest it. It's the perfect time of year to watch it. Um, and yeah, it's just not only one of my favorite animated movies, but one of my favorite movies overall. thousand percent. One of the jokes that we said going into this was, okay, what's peak George Clooney, uh, Danny Ocean, or him as Mr. Fox in this? And it's funny because he's playing a thief in both those. It's like, man, he's just... He's got it built like that. But frankly, you want to see peak George Clooney. You want to see some of the best, frankly, one of the best looking stop motion animated movies you've ever seen. Frankly, told in a way with such precision. It's like, I don't know. It's it's truly special. And, you know, it's there for you every year. You know, it's funny. The leaves start changing. You start looking at your pumpkin spice. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like this is a perfect fit for that. Frankly, more than anything, it makes you want some fucking cider. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh. Which I have some if we want to cheers after this. With a little Are you serious? Cider. I just went to the apple orchard yesterday. Oh. Like, I was thinking I got apples, too. I might just have an apple. Well, folks, uh, you know where this is going. But, yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox, 11 out of 10. Wes Anderson, also an 11 out of 10. Uh, wherever you're out, out there, uh, come on the pot. For sure. Yeah, Wes, we'll we'll get you on here sooner or later. Hopefully, to promote your next stop motion movie, we'll be we'll have enough interviews under our belt and enough popularity with the podcast that it just will seem like a logical step for an interview before your. Next yeah, stop frankly, motion. if you just want to only come to this pod to promote your new Willy Wonka animated movie, you know, uh, we'll take that. We'll take that. I run. feel like. Uh, I don't want to say this because, of course, you don't owe us anything. But based on the conversations here today, we manifested that. So if it ever does come true, you owe it to us to come on the podcast. Guess what? We even, on the house, will provide still photography on set with NRTPV. That's uh, true. Nick Talon behind the camera. Happily, we'll do any photography you need. Uh, shouts out. Uh, but for real, NRTPV. Uh, Check out those pictures. Uh, go to that. Go to nicktalon.com. Check out those photos. Buy some prints. Uh, that's one of the loves of uh, of our lives, right there. That's true. Go support, but also support Wes Anderson. Shouts out. Oh, always support. And I think the only word that can be used to describe this movie is in the title. It's fantastic. <laughs>